Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. I am happy to be back with you all. I know it's been about another month or so since we got the last episode recorded. However, like I promised in the last episode, when I said that we would have more guests far and wide now that we have access to cellular devices to be used with the microphone in this show, I went and sought out some great guests in to cover topics that I feel are pertinent and important to all of us, you know, who have interest or are currently in the Coast Guard or for that factor, any military service. And I think we really hit a home run today. I was reached out to by Aaron Sanders, who is a VA loan representative, who's a former Coastie. He'll introduce himself and he'll tell you his whole background. But I really think that this is going to be pertinent info, especially because of the market that we're currently in, where normal people that are in their early 20s have no shot really at buying a house if they're just starting their careers. But the VA loan makes it possible that some of us ordinarily wouldn't have been able to if we weren't in the Coast Guard have these opportunities. However, it's still quite a complex process, but that's why we have Aaron here to answer this. So thank you for coming on, Aaron. Um, Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Hunter. I appreciate it. I'm uh, really excited to be here and get the opportunity to talk with the guests. And uh, I'll share a little bit about my background just quickly but before i just wanted to say i'm I'm really excited about your podcast and what you're doing with it i've listened to several of the episodes and uh the way you're working to educate people those that are interested in the coast guard uh and that are in and also parents i think it's great i haven't seen anything like that and uh i i did an entire career in the Coast Guard and love the service and like how you're helping getting the word out. So, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And it's always good. These avenues are good ways to reach out to a new generation of audience who utilize technology in a different way. So I figure the podcast would be a really good opportunity to reach people that normally you just couldn't reach beforehand. And we have a couple online forums, but the podcast is a really great way to share personal experience like you've had. Yeah, great. Absolutely. So, uh, like you mentioned, I was in the uh, Coast Guard. I retired in 2015, so I did a full 20 years. I was a my operational specialty was aviation. I was a HH65 pilot. Uh, loved that uh, every minute of it, uh, and everyone I got to work with doing that. I started out. Uh, my commissioning source was the Coast Guard Academy, so I graduated from there in 1996. At that time, everyone that graduated needed to go to sea, which uh, I loved. It was a great experience. Uh, I was on a couple 210-foot cutters, went to flight school, did a couple air stations. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go to grad school and then did some payback tours. And then uh, where I retired out of headquarters in 2016, following my retirement, I uh, worked in the private sector for a couple of years doing some training and development and now I'm doing uh, finance specifically uh, mortgages um, with you mortgage the veterans alliance team and we focus primarily on doing VA loans but we can do a number of different type of uh, owner occupied and investor loans so I gotta ask and I know the market's different 20 plus years ago from what it is today but you said that you graduated with a commission of the Coast Guard Academy. Typically, those graduates, 22, 23 years old, right around that range. And you went to a cutter for your first station. When you're starting out in your career in those first couple years, uh, you're, you're saying this from an officer perspective, of course, having the commission. So you're likely going to be on the economy as an officer graduating the academy or coming out of OCS, uh, one of those routes. Comparatively, when you're enlisted, a lot of times starting out on a cutter, they may provide you barracks housing. So you have housing covered for you already. But as an officer, that's not the case. So when you had just started your career, did you go and buy a house at your first duty station or did you rent and give it some time? Yeah, no, great. That's a great question. It's something I've been thinking a lot about actually as I work with uh you know, both, I mean, officer and enlisted that are uh, entering the 
the fleet and the service kind of on what makes most sense. So I'm what I would do maybe if I could go back differently. But so we, it was pretty common back then that a lot of us would uh, room together. So I was in St. Pete. There were several 210 foot cutters there. And a lot of us got roommates and rented apartments. And some of us would be on the same ship. Some of us were on sister ships and, you know, where we wouldn't even necessarily see our roommate a lot. And that worked out great. I mean, it was a way to, to share costs. Uh, it was pretty easy. I mean, we were able to cover it within our BAH um, and, you know, we're able to uh, live with, you know, people that we had common experiences and motivations and bonds. So, so that was great. And that was in the, you know, mid-1990s at that point. So there were several people, though, that were kind of pioneers that we thought of, that they actually went out and bought some uh, houses then. So they were able to qualify, and they started basically acquiring real estate at that point. And so I thought that was a a great option. I kind of didn't really honestly think about it until after we'd already got an apartment with uh, my roommate. And but now uh, there's kind of more of a movement for, uh, especially with the recent real estate price appreciation, that there are more people interested in doing that. So we could talk about that more, but I, we chose to um, rent and then I rented again when I went to flight school. But I know there's a lot of people that are buying now at flight school. And then actually, my first um, time I bought was with a classmate and it was in Puerto Rico actually. And so at that point rates were probably high sevens, eight percent, which was actually normal then in the nineties. And I bought uh, my first place in Puerto Rico with a classmate. So not a bad place to buy a first house. No, no, not one bit. We were planning <laughs> on uh, keeping it, but then ended up uh, selling it when we we decided we didn't want to. Uh, uh, keep it long term there, and we did fine selling it. Um, but I know again, there's um, people that are you know buying and keeping them there and renting them out. So, well, I will say, and I don't want to pivot too far from the VA discussion, but when you go to the academy, you form a huge network over your time there with a whole bunch of officers. You're exposed to way more future officers than any other commission in route. And I think that does have the benefit that you're likely to get stationed in the same region as someone else in your graduating class. So having that academy source, if someone wanted to build capital for a little while, renting together might be the best option for them. I think that's a really good advantage that you have by going to the academy is just the network of officers that you know it's networking so important. And I think it's the strongest network within the officer corps of the Coast Guard. Yes, definitely. I mean, I, well, I don't know if it's strongest, but it is, yes, a strong network. And we do, they have at the academy. I mean, it's going to be, uh, I don't sure if, not sure if they had already, but Bill at night, everyone figures out where they're going to be assigned. And so you actually will have time. You'll know who's going to the same uh, duty location. And at that point, you could do some planning on if you wanted to, to room together. So that helps a lot. But I think, you know, and we have the time of, you know, we will have spent four years together at the academy. But I think, I mean, one thing I really love and I, I mean, miss now about not being in the Coast Guard is just the bond that you have with those people that you serve. And so I don't want to, and again, we did that for four years at the academy, but I don't want to downplay um, the similar bond that happens at OCS and boot camp and other session points. And then, of course, when you're at your own unit. So I think there's, you know, can be similar chances um, if you show up at a duty station um, to do similar type of things. But we did have that uh, nice experience at the academy, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so I want to pivot back to the VA loan. Yeah, of course. Let's go first from a perspective if – Let's say I went to A school as a bosun mate, so now I'm an E4. I end up doing my first uh, rated station, so petty officer station on a cutter, and I don't feel the need to necessarily buy a house just due to my living situation, and maybe they have barracks provided for E4s at that particular location. 
I end up pinning an E5. So now I'm a couple years in my career making a little bit more money than I did as an E4, E3, definitely. And I finally decide to pull the trigger. I want to buy a house. I know nothing about the VA loan, but I know that you know about the VA loan. How are you going to help me out with navigating this whole web of the VA loan? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, well, one, I mean, we'll cover, I think, a decent amount on this now. Um, and so I can let you know that I could. And then, um, I mean, I'll give you my cell number and email if you want to drop in there so people can uh, follow up with me. Uh, but in general, I think, I mean, you want to work with someone, you know, that's experienced with the VA loan. Um, and so whether that's me or someone else, I mean, there are lots of options out there. I do want to clarify, I mean, in your intro, so just to clarify, so I'm, I'm, I don't work for the VA, uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs, the government, so I work with a, um, uh, a lender, and so I'm a, a mortgage originator or a mortgage broker. But so working with someone um, like myself would be able to help you navigate that process. So, And there's, you can also, there's a lot of stuff online as well if you're someone that wants to, you know, kind of read up on it yourself. Okay. So I guess we'll take it from the bare bones then of what exactly is the VA loan and why is it different than if I just go to a normal bank and get a loan out for a house? What makes the VA loan unique and different? Yeah, perfect. That's a good question. So there are a lot of different, um, so if you're new to, you know, home buying or if you honestly just are not in the industry and haven't really you know, care to pay attention to the different types of loan programs. There are a lot of different loan programs. You might have heard like an FHA loan program or a conventional loan program or a VA loan. And that really just speaks to the different type of loan products. So there's a lot of different type of loan products. And so what's unique about one, one of the things that's unique about the VA loan product is that the One, it can have, uh, you can do 0% down. So there's no other type of loan product that you can get uh, buying a a primary residence as your house that you can put 0% money down. So that's one unique aspect. Another uh, unique aspect is the fact that, so the VA, what's special about this is the VA actually guarantees part of the loan. So if you go out and buy a loan for $300,000, the VA is going to guarantee part of that loan to the lender. So whichever bank is going to make that loan, the VA is guaranteeing that. And so what's special about that is that allows the bank to offer the loan to you at a lower interest rate. So like right now we're seeing about three quarters of a percent better at least compared to a variable um, or a different product. And so those are, two big benefits there as far as you can normally get lower rates because the VA's uh, guaranteeing it and you can put 0% down. There's also some other, there's a lot uh, more flexible underwriting. When a bank's giving you a home loan, they're going to look at your debt to income ratio. We have a lot more flexibility on these types of products compared to other products. There's also no technically no minimum credit score. So if someone has uh, lower credit for a variety of reasons, then maybe they had some, you know, missteps at the beginning of their career. We have a lot more flexibility there. So, um, at, I mean, at a very high level, the this program is designed to help veterans become homeowners. And so there's just not another loan product that's similar to this as a veteran and you can only get it if you qualify for serving okay so veterans and active duty qualify for va loans uh yes exactly you're right so we're using the term uh veteran kind of broadly but yes so it's active duty and so we could cover uh as well so kind of who is eligible so it depends on the period of service i think a lot of the listeners here are going to be younger, relatively younger. So if you served from August 1990 until today, as long as you served for at least 90 days, you are going to be eligible for the VA loan. So served in any service, any branch of the 
armed forces, you're eligible as long as you serve 90 days. So it doesn't count uh, your boot camp time. So after you have graduated that, um, so in your scenario of someone, you know, that's uh, at their, you know, E4, they, they will qualify um, if they enter the service after 1990. Before 1990, there's a, a basically a peacetime clause. So if you served during peacetime, as long as you served 181 days, you know, which is about six months you qualify. And you can also qualify if you were in the reserves, the National Guard. So if you have any listeners in that, uh, those uh, organizations, they can also qualify as well. So for that, you need six years of service and 16 points. So it gets a little nuanced there, but so for the, which, I, you know, anyone like myself can help with, but uh, broadly speaking, people that are currently serving or served uh, 90 days service, you should be good. I should ask my grandfather what the rules were for 1944 World War II veterans and see how yeah, his VA loan actually, days are going. Yeah, if you go on the, uh, the website, the VA, you can actually see and they break it down for all those specific periods because it kind of changes as they update the laws. So. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll have to get with him. He's listening to this episode, yeah. I guarantee it. Okay. So if you're Very listening well, in and you want to buy a house. <laughs> yeah, thank um, him for his service, especially during World War II, so yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he's going to hopefully come to the museum here in New Orleans. They let veterans of World War II get in for free, so we'll have a good time there if he comes on. Awesome. Uh, anyways, back to the VA loan. Let's say then in our scenario, now that you've described I'm eligible. I know that because I've been in the Coast Guard a couple years now, BM2, ready to transfer my new duty station. And I'm going to say hypothetically, and this is just because I know the area a little bit better, I'm transferring to Portland, Maine. And I'm in station in Portland, Maine. Average home price around that area is the 300000 range. So if okay. I didn't take a VA loan and you said the VA loan has zero down, I think that's the main attraction that your colleagues will tell you. And even if you don't understand loan processes, they'll all say, oh, the VA loan's great because it's zero down. Now, right. what is the typical size down payment, though, on another loan? So if we're talking a $300,000 loan here, what would I typically have to put as a down payment for a house? Yeah, perfect. No, that's a great question. So basically, so the the uh, the other lowest down payment option that exists is an FHA loan. And so for that, you have to put at least three and a half percent down. So on the 300,000, that would be, <coughs> excuse me, 10,500. So that's the, the next option for the least down payment. So three and a half percent. But typically, um, depending on i mean the rates and what you have to put down it's common to put down 20 percent. so if you want to do a conventional financing that's 20 percent down so now we're talking sixty thousand dollars and and so rarely anyone okay, has yeah. that just lying around well right it's hard so that's why again if we go back to the original purpose of this program and it's to help veterans become homeowners and you're hitting on one of the key. I mean, if you search anywhere, you know, pay attention to headlines on home ownership. One of the biggest barriers is the down payment. And so this eliminates that barrier for veterans. So that's why it's, uh, can be so powerful. So there's a statistic that the federal reserve put out that when you compare the net worth of a homeowner, versus a renter, homeowners have on average 40% more net worth than renters. And so again, um, if a veteran can get into, uh, you know, this home, this $300,000 house that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise, this can really help them and their financial position for themselves and their family long-term. So. Well, going back to that too, it's just, it's one of those things that we all say that the military is not the highest paying job. That's well known, but we get a lot of benefits and that basic allowance for housing is a huge benefit to be able to help offset those mortgage costs. And yes, 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, most people, so I didn't mean to cut you off there, but just to hit on the BAH is, I think, I mean, I don't know if everyone, you know, knows, but so the BAH, you don't pay uh, taxes on. So again, so not only um, do we have this housing allowance that's indexed and varies based on where we live to help us cover a certain standard of housing, but we also don't pay any taxes on it. And so that is, you know, even an extra benefit there. So, I mean, a general rule, I mean, I think it's going to vary, you know, on household and all your circumstances, but, you know, generally if you can buy something that's in the range of your BAH, um, again, I mean, that's money that's set aside for housing. You're not paying taxes on it. I mean, that could be a good rule of thumb as a planning factor to kind of start to see, you know, what type of house can you afford for in the range of your BAH? So, Well, I imagine even people that are stationed at sector San Francisco, California are well known right now for having some of the highest basic allowance housing in Boston, Massachusetts is pretty high up there. I know in the officer world, they're both north of 4,000 a month. So yeah. when I'm looking at housing in those areas, the cities themselves, that's how basic allowance for housing is calculated based on the zip code that you are stationed in. Exactly. But in the surrounding areas, houses, prices, they're still expensive, but they drop off dramatically from what the BAH is calculated for that particular zip code for. So I'm imagining if we take, for instance, some of the surrounding areas and they're still relatively expensive, you're going to need a lot of loan up front to be able to get some of those nicer housing areas in a Boston or San Francisco or an L.A. area. So what is the maximum amount someone could take out on a VA loan if they needed that amount and they knew their BAH would cover it? So they're they're set. They just need the loan. Right. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. That's a good question. And this is something that actually changed a couple of years ago um, with one of the recent laws that because previously when I was buying uh, homes using a VA loan, there was a limit, but now there's actually no limit. So as long as you can qualify uh, based on your income for the loan, there's no limit on the VA loan. So you could, we've done, you know, several million dollar VA loans, no money down uh, if you have the income to qualify. So, that, I mean, that's going to be, you know, a, a high earning uh, family or couple there, you know, that can afford that with the income. But there is no there is no limit on uh, how large it can be. So there are some lenders that might have it. But again, for our audience, several million dollars you could go up to with a VA loan. So. There is one caveat, and uh, I think we could get to it later, is because you can have more than one VA loan out at a time. So if you have an if you have an existing VA loan, there you are going to have a limit, um, and that's going to be up to the county loan limit that you're in. And in most counties, that's around seven hundred and sixty six thousand dollars, but. Uh, again, not to overcomplicate it, but, so that's if you had more than one. But in your example, one VA loan, there's there's no limit to how uh, expensive a house you could get as long as you qualify with income. Well, I'm picturing a couple of the real estate moguls in the group. Their ears are going yeah. off right now because they're thinking, whoa, there's no limit. So normally for me, I might buy a single family home. But now, if I know there's no limit, I'm just going to go get a triplex or a quadplex and rent out those other areas. So are there rules for or against that type of property or what type of property you can take advantage of with the VA loan if you maybe had interesting in real estate concurrently? Yeah, perfect. That's a great question. So the one... I don't think we spelled it out, uh, but so I'll link it to this question is, is that... So this has to be used as your primary residence and so which is all the scenarios we're talking about but we do have some people that are investors that want to use a zero down payment va loan as an investment property that for an investment property that they're never going to live in so that that's not an option you have to occupy it as your primary residence once you excuse me once you meet that test though then you can get up to a quadplex so four units and it can even have a small amount of commercial space. 
So that's that's your limit on the number of units and the the type of property that you could buy. And then, but you can uh, buy then all you know any type of property that would be suitable for your residence, you know, including a condo um, or something like that, but up to four units. And as long as you're living in one of them as your declared residence, you can rent out the other three with that quadplex deal. Exactly. Wow, that's a pretty then, good deal to get into yeah, real estate. Yeah, I know people uh, that are doing that so and have done it. So it's kind of, you know, the term VA house hacking, that's one variation of that. So uh, we, uh, both of my kids just started college, so we're empty nesters, and I have my uh, full VA loan entitlement, so we just sold our uh, house last summer and i've talked about doing that with my wife but she's not quite ready to uh move into a quadplex so i'll have to save that for another time maybe well i I wanted to ask also if because we know military transfers are every couple of years if i live in one of those quadplex spots and my va loan isn't paid off by the time i transfer you said i could take out more than one va loan so that's covered but now, how does the whole primary residency work with that? If now this quadplex is no longer going to be my primary residency because I'm moving, can I rent out that fourth area of the quadplex if I stay there a certain amount of time? Yes, absolutely. So you really, you just needed to have occupied it as your primary residence. So as long as you um, have done that, then you can keep it. You don't need to sell it and you can get another primary residence. And again, so this is a, you know, product that's designed for the military. And so, so this helps them. And we know that, like you said, people are going to get orders and move and we're not going to, you know, force a veteran to sell their house um, if they don't want to. So um, yes, absolutely. You can keep it. And at that point it would be strictly, a investment property you keep your underlying VA loan there if you didn't want to sell it or refinance it you could buy another property using your VA loan in another location as long as you were living in it I'm, I'm picturing here that a lot of people's ears are reading off on that they, they get a property manager in several locations and own a couple houses by the end of a full military career that's pretty amazing yeah exactly so that's again there's varying degrees and I mean I'm finding I'm in enjoying talking with people that are, um, you know, younger than me and have had the benefit of kind of a lot more education as far as like bigger pockets and all this stuff that's out there that wasn't really as commonplace when I was there. And so, but that's what we did is that we, uh, bought properties at each, uh, duty station, kept them, rented them out, bought another one. Um, actually, I mean, the, house I'm talking to you in right now is a house I bought in 2006 when I was stationed at Air Station Savannah and it's been rented out the entire time for 17 years and we just moved back into it so um, but yeah there's people that are doing you know more uh, I don't know if aggressive is the right word but leaning into this more than you know my family and I did and so it depends on um, kind of what your personal goals and tolerances are and obviously i mean there's a lot of cycles in real estate so you got to make sure you're comfortable with all of that but yeah and that would be my recommendation too just from this perspective of talking to you is it almost seems like if you're not doing your homework and due diligence and research you, you want to make sure you're doing that before you come in and jump on this opportunity because the opportunity exists for us being in our positions that we've had in the military but I would advise caution, too, to really study and know your product if you're intending on going that route of the real estate investor and trying to make the whole triplex, quadplex, uh, every jump you make, and all of a sudden you end up with all these properties. And I, w- I would just highly encourage people to do their research before just listening to a friend speak about it and thinking everything's going to be roses if you don't do your proper diligence. So I don't know if you'd give that similar mindset of advice or not, too. Yes, absolutely. That's why I wanted to put that in there. I mean, I know several people that, you know, rented out houses, had horror stories. And so, I mean, we kind of pulled that thread of what's possible. And so we did that. And, uh, 
you know, we kind of departed from kind of the base case scenario of, uh, you know, a military member and maybe their family, you know, moving every couple of years on assignments and, you know, buying something, you know, well within their, their means using a VA loan and then either keeping it or selling it. But yes, there's a wide range of, uh, cases. And I mean, if, if we're working on you on a loan, I mean, we're gonna, you know, provide good counsel as far as looking at like your debt to income. And I'm never going to be one that's going to encourage people to, you know, get more house than they can afford. So. Oh, absolutely. And I just, I feel that it's such a good opportunity though for us even still, because if you're not interested in doing the real estate investment route, but you do really like a property that you have, let's say it's a really nice town, great location, but you know, those orders are going to come through and you don't want to give up that house. Maybe you rent out a single family home to someone to keep, you know, the cash flow flowing on that property to help pay off the mortgage of it after you move. But maybe you just want that house there for after your Coast Guard career. And I feel like that's a great utilization of having multiple homes potentially with the VA loan options. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have done that. So. so I got a big question here regarding, let's say that you get stationed in U.S. territory, like Guam, for instance, and you get overseas housing allowance, OHA. And what that entitles you to is you have a cap limit. So I'll just throw out a number, 2600 for Guam, let's say a month. If you find a property that's only going to cost you 2000 a month, you lose that other 600 So people encourage you to maximize that utilization of um, your overseas housing allowance because it's use it or lose it mindset right. like that. Right. Now, when talking about the VA loan here, if you found a house on Guam, can I still do the VA loan no differently using my OHA as I would my BAH? Yeah, so they, um, so right, so you can only use the VA loan in U.S. and the territory. So I'd, I mean, I want to like dial in 100% on the Guam specific example. But so, I mean, if we use Puerto Rico um, as an example, you know, so I know for sure for that. Um, but um, so if we assume, I mean, I could circle back or put a note for your listeners on uh, Guam. But the uh, if we assume we can, um, yes, I mean, I think so we could structure the loan in a way that, you know, you were kind of maximizing that and you could work with, you know, your agent or whoever you're to, to buy the most house uh, that you could to maximize that. So, but I mean, again, we'd want to make sure that, um, you know, it's something that makes sense financially that you can afford, but that's basically the scenario. So when my roommate and I, uh, he was a Coast Guard Academy classmate actually in Puerto Rico, that's part of actually what prompted us to buy in Puerto Rico because we both had that allowance and we looked at this place that we could buy and we went ahead and did that together. And so it was a place outside of uh, Air Station Barinkin, I mean, on a cliff overlooking the water. And so we were able to get in on that uh, in that similar scenario you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up. So that means we do have stations overseas in Europe, Singapore, and uh, Japan, so you would not be able to use a VA loan if you wanted to go buy that property in Japan. Correct, exactly. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's important clarity for any of you that want to go venture overseas. You're not going to be able to buy a house in that aspect. Right. All right, so getting into this next question that I have for you is we already talked about that you can have more than one VA loan out. What if I do take more than one VA loan out and I pay one of those loans off. Nothing stopped me from just going again another one. Correct, exactly. Right. So if you've had, you can have multiple VA loans out at the same time. If your subsequent loans are going to have some caps, which get into, I mean, some math maybe more than what we want to do on here, but we could. But if you paid off the the other one, then yes, you're back into a, a no limit situation. And you can do these 
as many times as you'd like, as long as you have remaining entitlement left. Okay. And I'm going to timestamp this episode for February 19th, 2024, is when we're recording this, if anyone's listening. I'm hoping this podcast lasts well 20, 30 years, so this information is <laughs> pertinent to today, what I'm about to ask. So. Okay. In this current housing market that we're seeing in the United States, you can hear the, uh, what do you call it, the uh, kind of banter online about everyone saying you can't buy a house anywhere. Everything's getting taken up. You know, people are putting offers on houses. They're getting beat out for transfers and stuff. I have a friend that he's moving to Baltimore this summer, and he's putting an offer on three houses, and they all got scooped up, he was saying. Right. So with this crazy market, and I don't know if this is still the case as it was a year or two ago, where houses are always selling for more than um, the listing price. Right. You have to go over offer. I don't know if that's still the case or not. But what is the current housing market doing right now, and how is it affecting Coasties who may be transferring and want to look at should we sell our current house or should we keep it and rent it out? Or should we even think about buying another house where we're going with this current market? It's quite a confusing one in my eyes. Right. No, it is definitely. I mean, that's why, I mean, I wanted to put a little, you know, historical context because I mean, again, I've been, I'm, you know, older than a lot of people may be listening and I've been buying, you know, real estate since the late nineties. And so the, the interest rates, I mean, have gone through cycles and I've bought, you know, real estate at, at the rates we are now. And they definitely seem very high uh, in relative nature to the last several years, you know, when we had two and a half percent. And then, but of course, prices have gone up considerably as well. But as, as far as, I mean, your question about what are we seeing, I mean, at real estate's a really localized, uh, you know, uh, market. And so I think that, I mean, it makes sense to connect with an agent that's well-versed in your area. And so I talk to a lot of, uh, Coast Guard realtors and, uh, other realtors, you know, that weren't in the Coast Guard. And, and what I'm seeing is that it's still, uh, a tight market to buy houses. And so part of that is related to the lack of inventory. And so we actually, so we sold our house last year. It was still a good time to be a seller. And part of that was because of the relatively low inventory because so many people are not wanting to sell their houses. And so when you're in that environment and it's maybe more of a a seller's market, I mean, it is going to be a challenging time to buy. So to your point of, well, if I'm moving, should I sell? And if I'm, and should I buy? So it depends on, it could still be a good time to sell. Um, I mean, the people that I'm talking to, um, are the houses are still selling quickly. They're getting good prices, but it's not at the point where, you know, there were 12 offers on the same weekend um, over, over asking. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'm hearing. So, um, I will put a, a little, uh, plug in then for kind of the, the Coast Guard network, since that's our audience here. I mean, we've, we're putting together a, a Coast Guard real estate network and right now it's a, it's a Facebook page, but I've, uh, connected with over 20 realtors that are either, uh, prior Coast Guard service, currently serving spouse um, that are all agents are working in real estate. So that could be a good spot to kind of dig into what you had asked about, you know, market specific data. So I don't, I actually have been a licensed realtor in the past, but I mean, I don't want to speak to, you know, specifically in, in each market. So, And what is the name of that Facebook page? Uh, it's the Coast Guard Real Estate Network. Okay, and that's the official name. Coast Guard Real Estate Network, for anyone interested yes. in looking up the Facebook page. Yeah. Okay, so this is just a personal experience question, though, because we're talking about areas. You have a house in Puerto Rico, and I've personally lived in Cape Cod for many years before. 
to me, those seem like communities where, where are they even going to build new houses? My mindset on that process. Would you approach an area like that differently in the home buying process or potentially keeping a home? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, but again, it speaks to kind of, I mean, connecting with a local expert. I mean, I think that's always a good recommendation when you're going to be buying because there are so many specifics. But I mean, broadly speaking, I mean, supply and demand is going to impact real estate prices, right? And so you spoke of kind of an area where maybe every available lot has already been built out, right? Mm -hmm. So you've lived in places like that. I've lived, I mean, Northern Virginia, you know, metro areas, there's other places. So in that area, I mean, you're not really going to be competing with new construction. So in those markets, you know, the supply and demand uh, dynamics are different. And so you're going to be looking at, well, excuse me, what is all the existing housing stock? And I think, you know, those may not experience downward pressure compared to areas where there can be new construction. So where I'm at now, actually, in Savannah, there's a lot of economic growth and prices are uh, continuing to uh, appreciate. But in the surrounding areas, there's a lot of new construction going on. And so a home buyer in this area has the option of, you know, buying something, you know, that's already pre-existing or buying new construction. And so it's going to be further out than the city centers, um, but people have options in those. And I know uh, some of the other coasts I've been connecting with in Houston or Florida, there are some new construction areas. um, And so that can that can impact the dynamics for sure. So, Yeah, I know specifically the Savannah area. I lived in Georgia before too, that beautiful area there. And I can see why it's going to be a growing market for years to come. I'd say the rest of my Coast Guard career, I would see that place growing in my personal opinion. Right, exactly. It's just going out along the 95 corridor. So not north, south, west. So it's just, yeah, lots of, and then, even like a lot of multifamily as well, because again, they're um, the veterans that qualify for the, the VA loan. We have the benefit of that program, but you know, there's a lot of people that um, you know it's it can be tough to get in the housing market. There's a lot of multifamily being built for people to rent. So, which is kind of a weird concept to me, just the way the housing market is. I know this is getting a little bit petered off, but. When my family all came from in uh, the suburbs of Boston, uh, and this was decades and decades ago, but multifamily housing was the most common form of housing. It wasn't like these individual housing homes that boomed really in the 50s and 60s. So I think maybe just with the times and the swings, you know, the economic circumstances and availability, you're completely right. You get to look at all this stuff when factoring in decisions of taking advantage of the VA loan and buying a home wherever you are. Right, exactly. All right, so I think we've covered a lot of good portions of the VA loan. Uh, One thing we haven't touched on yet, though, is I know with uh, mortgages and other banks, you can refinance on it. So how does that work with the VA loan? Yeah, perfect. So um, good question. You can definitely uh, refinance these as well. And some people might have heard of it, the EARL. So um, that's the, the definition of it, or it's a streamlined refinance. So that's a great benefit. I've personally used it before. Um, and so you can definitely refinance these. And so the, in the, uh, Earl is a interest rate reduction refinancing loan. And so one, um, key benefit of that is that, so the VA doesn't require you to requalify with income or to get the property appraised. So it really is a fast process. So a lender might have some requirements, but generally it's pretty fast and easy. And so you just need to make sure that you can uh, recoup the costs of the refinance within three years. Uh, we need to check to make sure that and that the rate has gone down at least a half percent. So there's some, you know, more specifics in that, but broadly speaking, if rates go down, 
um, and you have an existing VA loan, you can absolutely refinance it. And so that's one thing if people want to buy now and they're concerned about the rates now and being locked in, uh, if rates go down, you can refinance it um, using your VA loan. Well, I was thinking another major benefit would be to lower those monthly payments. If, for instance, you were fortunate enough to get a house and be able to afford it in a high cost market like the Boston or San Francisco we mentioned earlier, and you got transferred to somewhere with a lower BAH that you're going to be getting. So you're not counting that same amount. You can maybe lower the cost per month, depending on how much you paid on that first house to be able to afford that house and the one you're going to be moving into. Yes, absolutely. And that's basically right. That That is the impact of getting a lower rate, which is exactly what you mentioned, which is getting lower monthly payments. So if you're able to get uh, a lower rate, that should yield you lower payments, which will help you out, you know, for another purchase or just your overall financial situation. Yeah, I think definitely everything we've covered today, it, it really does hammer home an important topic just because it's really easy to look at the news, the general public news, and see that housing's a really tough bugger to get into right now and an issue. But the ultimate thing that I'm taking away from this is while we don't have our own playbook, we have a modified rule set to get to be able to take advantage of as the military member that can give us a leg up in an otherwise equally competitive market. And I think that utilizing that, it enables, like I said at the beginning of the episode, people in their early to mid-20s that in today's market would otherwise have no shot at getting a house whatsoever, a real legitimate opportunity to just get a house or even start a real estate investment career early while you're in the Coast Guard to have appreciable skills when you get out of the Coast Guard. Right. Yes, I would agree with that. So it's definitely uh, a way um, to get in that you might not otherwise be able to, which is a great benefit. So. All right. So I'll wrap up with one last question. Let's say I'm a current Coastie. Uh, I am. <laughs> but sure. other Coasties that have a huge interest in either your role in the process or getting into this whole real estate market in general, what would you recommend if they have this interest and they're still in the Coast Guard with how to work that into their schedules with a busy, you know, op tempo and demand, or I can't speak for individual units or individual jobs in the Coast Guard, but just how to balance out building this skill set to be able to transfer something to the civilian world if they want to get into that once they separate from the Coast Guard. Right, right, gotcha. Well, so there's, I mean, a lot of, I guess, different, elements to that so i think that um as far as you know if you're looking to buy or want to explore that um i mean there's a lot of information out there and i would i mean look to connect with someone that you trust and has experience um because you don't need to go at it alone so i mean regardless of like how many times i've done it it can still be stressful i mean making large financial decisions uh can be so i mean someone at your unit someone at your network you know anyone within this this uh coast guard real estate network anyone that can help you kind of get more information and make you feel more comfortable with what you're trying to do i think i think that's good um and i mean i like to you know learn a lot so i mean for me i'm just gonna you know where there's lots of you know podcasts books and other things but I mean, that isn't for, um, you know, what everyone is looking to do. So like, so that's why I'd start with, you know, getting, um, connect with an expert or someone's got experience that can help you. There's tons of resources that you can learn on your own and also just, you know, get out there and, uh, take the first, uh, step. And, um, if you're interested in doing this kind of afterwards or as a, as a side hustle, there's plenty of people that are doing that. Uh, and there's local meetups and different real estate groups, things like that, that you can get in your own area. And there's probably people at your unit that are, you know, interested in, in doing real estate or their spouses are. So, 
And if someone wanted to contact you, Aaron, how could they go about that email phone number wise if they had more questions for you? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way, I mean, you guys can just, I mean, call me or shoot me a, a text. So the uh, my cell phone is 667-321-7785. I'm happy to talk about any of this. So if I initially, I'll try it right back. You could shoot me a text, call me. I'm also, I'm on LinkedIn uh, and I'm on Facebook. You can connect through that. So I'm also on Instagram too, but that's pretty much dedicated to my son and I fishing. So you're not going to see much real estate on that. So, <laughs> And Aaron Sanders would be your handles on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook as well? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, good. And you should see, yeah, I've got uh yeah, Coast Guard and real estate on the profile. So they should come up. So, okay. But, so and I, people yeah. will be able to find you easy enough. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you have any further advice you'd like to share before we wrap things up here to anyone listening? Uh, well, uh, I'd like to just say, well, first, thanks for, you know, having me on. So it's great to get to talk about this. I'm passionate about it and uh, helping people and sharing my experiences. But, and as far as advice, I, get, I mean, to people, if you're considering going into the Coast Guard, I'd say, go for it. So I absolutely loved it. I uh, missed being uh, a part of it. So that's, I work to kind of connect with and work with as many coasties as I can now that I'm out. And if you're in, just, uh, I mean, savor the time in. Uh, I think the, the best uh, part of being in it is the people and the relationships. And so I've uh, loved all that and continue to appreciate that part of the service yeah it's definitely one of my favorite parts too the people make the mission yeah absolutely well thank you again aaron for coming on board and sharing your experiences both coast guard and real estate wise and also you mentioned that you have a podcast in the works so you may also be starting a podcast soon yes thanks yeah i'm actually gonna found there's some other uh, branches of service have uh, similar ones and so I'm going to do it's probably going to be coasties and real estate and business so I've got a couple uh, speakers and episodes lined up and so um, I'll share that with you uh, when we launch so yeah definitely and I'll be sure to give that out to everyone listening to the Coast to Coasties podcast too it's always good to help out our fellow coasties uh, current and former in their endeavors and more podcasts about the coast guard is always better. I don't think we have enough of them. So be yeah, definitely. definitely. No, and that's what, how I found you kind of searching and there's definitely not uh, as many compared to other communities. So yeah, well, thank you again, Aaron, for coming on board and uh, to the listeners on uh, coast to coasties. I want to thank you for listening to this episode very valuable information that you're probably uh, going to really be able to apply and use throughout your career, regardless of how the housing market changes. Just be sure to keep up on if the VA changes anything or tweaks anything from the time of this recording, because a rule or two might have changed since then, given the market and whatever ends up happening loan-wise. But again, I would take this advice with gold because I learned a lot today and I'm sure you all have too. So thank you, Aaron, for coming on and sharing with us. And uh, we hope you and the listeners listening to this episode have a great day and be sure to check us out on the next episode to be coming up. Thanks.